electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Live from the Nasdaq market site overlooking New York City's Times Square, this is Fast Money. I'm Melissa Lee. Tonight's trader lineup, Karen Feinerman, Steve Grasso, Pete Nigerian, and Jeff Mills. Tonight on Fast, tech gets wrecked. Facebook, Google, Apple, Microsoft, all handing in big losses today. So is the tide turning on tech? And should you get ready for more downside ahead? Plus, we are gearing up for a big week of earnings. Just look at all the names reporting. We'll break down the five key names that need to be on your watch list. And later... Phoning home, something just happened in housing that hasn't happened since E.T. was the number one movie at the box office. What it is and how it could impact the housing trade. But first, the chart master says there could be trouble brewing as the S&P 500 hands in its second straight week of losses. Let's kick things off with Cornerstone Macros. Carter Braxton Worth. Carter. Sure. Well, in a way, it's amazing because a lot of stocks are down 10 and 20 percent from their highs. And yet the S&P, of course, is down only 2.5, 2.8. Uh, so not much has happened, but the question is, what can happen? Let's look at a few charts. So the first, it's the chart that anyone can draw, that I can draw. Everyone's entitled to draw it. It is the chart of the S&P with the trend line in effect since the pandemic low. Now, look at the second chart. What's happening here, of course, is we have been ascending this trend line, and it is very close to, on the short-term chart, the 50-day moving average. But you'll see that every time we've dipped, we've bounced Quickly, this time we're dawdling. We're sort of uh, biding time, not bouncing. And in technical parlance, it's something known as a diamond formation. Well, take a look at the third chart. This is without the trend line, and it's trying to annotate or highlight this sort of debate. You get your drawdown, not much, and now there's a standoff between people saying, hey, should I buy the dip as I've done every other time, or maybe this is different? And so that formation, there are some rules to this, if you will, uh, rules of thumb. And let's talk about them. Next chart, a measured move from any formation, whether it's a head and shoulders or a consolidation range, is something that's uh, very efficacious. And the width of this diamond, for lack of a better phrase, the high is 44.85, the low is 44.25. That's a 60-point range. And we basically are right at the low of that range now. In principle, a break to the downside, that's my judgment, is, uh, well, likely to take you exactly 60 points lower. Look at the final chart. So a measured move, a move that's the same magnitude as the width of the diamond, would take you down 60 points from the low point, or 43.65. Not that much. That's 5%. Uh, what that would take you to, however, is about where the 150-day moving average comes into play. And at that point, we would have a peak to trough decline of roughly 7.5%. Um, it's my judgment that that's what's coming. All right. Carter, thank you. Carter Braxtonworth, the CEO on Options Action. Pete Nigerian, what's your take? It was Carter's judgment. The market goes lower. What's yours? Well, it certainly could, Mel. I I always track, as you know, the volatility index, and I've been watching it all year. We started at 25, we pulled back, then we spiked up over 40, we pulled back again. And I just continue to look at the volatility index in terms of where are we right now with the volatility index in terms of can we get over 20? 
Can we sustain over 20? We have not been able to do that. And I think that the, we've had a very healthy rotation all throughout the year, quite frankly, where you look at materials are leading, then it's energy, then it's technology, maybe it's semiconductors, maybe it's housing. It could be almost any sector. And as we take a look at all those sectors, most of those sectors are very close to the highs where they are coming off from. So does it make sense that there's a bit of a pause right now, Mel? I think so. And every time I look at the volatility index and it spikes over 20, lately over the last two or three months, it can't stay up more than maybe 48 hours before it pulls right back down again. So for my money, I still continue to look at that index and it's telling me right now that there are different leadership all the time. And because of that, I think when we get back in those teens, I think you can own very inexpensive protection to the downside, but I continue to be very bullish about how the market's moving because of that healthy rotation. Yeah, Steve, uh, what's your take? Yeah, so uh, Carter touched on a couple of things. Pete touched on a couple of things. So starting with Carter, if I look at the chart of the S&P cash that, that, uh, or the S&P as Carter was looking at, I capture the same thing, right? He, he started off the segment saying anyone could draw that chart. It's, it's basically up and to the right. We see the same laddering. We see the same spreads between the 50, the 100, and the 200. So, and where he finished off was what I liked about it. He said, we're really only talking about fractions lower. So if you're talking about fractions lower, the peak to trough would be about 7%, I believe he said. If I look back to the chart from October to November of 2020, it was 8% peak to trough. We touched that, that 200 day, or I should say the 100 day. That's what he thinks is gonna happen, or that's what he said is possibly uh, due to happen. I see the same thing, but when we're talking about where we are right now, we're only talking about uh, a handful of percentage points. Nobody on this desk and nobody really in the trading world is gonna be able to turn around their ship that quick. Even for a 7% move, it was a handful of days that we were down below the 100-day uh, the moving average. So you can't react that quickly. Having said that, Pete named the, uh, the uh, switching from cyclicals to growth. If you talk to every money manager, they're all doing the same thing right now. They're buying large cap, they're buying uh, utilities, they're buying defensives. Seems a little overdone, everyone's on the wrong side, of, or I should say everyone's on the same side of the ship, but I do believe the biggest thing that happened today was looking at the 10-year. 10-year is ratcheting up. This is the first time it's bounced off the bottom. I think we're heading back to 1.5%, 1.6%. I know, wow, woohoo! everyone put your party hats on. But I think then the Russell can overtake, so you're gonna see that switch back into cyclicals again. But that could be in trouble for the overall market. Yeah, I mean, you saw the action today. Grosso mentioned the ratchet higher in the tenure, and what did we see? We saw the NASDAQ 100 underperforming the NASDAQ. So really, big cap technology being impacted by this move in rates. Karen, do you feel like this is gonna be the story going into the year, into the end of the year, in terms of a sort of this tug of war? Rates go higher. Tech has trouble. The overall markets have trouble simply because of the overall weighting of tech. Mm -hmm. Well, I think, you know, we always think of the market as this sort of monolith, but obviously it's made of a lot of different stocks. So there's a lot of things that can do well, others less well. To me, it was interesting how hard the FANGs got hit today, even harder than some of the high flyer names in the tech space that I would have thought, you see rates up, that we would see more pressure on those real high flyer ones. 
So, you know, as Steve said, it's very hard to sort of trade around these things. Pete can do it. That's what he does. That's what he's great at. But for me to try to trade around my book to figure out when is the right time out and when is the right time back in and did I make enough of a, did I do a good enough job trading in and out to make up what I would have to pay in taxes, I don't have a lot of confidence that I'll be able to do that. So a day like today is not good for me. Things, you know, I have a big alphabet position, big Facebook position, Microsoft, Apple, none of that worked. Industrials, that didn't work either. Even with rates up, banks really didn't work either. But I don't think things have changed materially. I still think that Delta's important and that if, if we're really seeing a decline there, uh, then we're going to, um, we're going to, I think, see higher rates and a higher market. Yeah, I mean, to Karen's point, IGV, the software ETF, down only seven-tenths of a percent today compared to what we saw in FANG, uh, Jeff Mills. What, what did you make of today's action? What do you make of just sort of the overall market in terms of where we are in this massive run going into, into the end of the year at this point? Well, first of all, I agree with Karen in the sense that I, I would have thought that the higher flying names would have got hit today. We talked a little bit about it last night, but I think even in growth, you want to be quality. That's more fang than some of the reopening names. So I definitely agree with that. I think that was maybe out of step today and won't be the trend going forward. But overall, I find myself agreeing with Carter because, as you all know, I've been in this cyclical camp for some time, and we've generally been in this momentum no man's land in the market. You've got 48% of stocks in the S&P trading above their 50-day kind of meh. You have the S&P, you have triple Q seeing really aggressive inflows. But then on the flip side, you've seen really aggressive outflows from cyclical. So if you do see this rotation, I could see damage at the index level. And, and that's what I would anticipate here going forward. As rates rise, again, we see this rotation. So I don't think the damage is going to be significant because the market has been able to go back and forth successfully between value and growth just to use broad factor exposures. But I do think going forward, there's opportunity if you pick your spots. Karen men mentioned COVID. So leadership has almost moved in lockstep with COVID counts. And I think we're likely moving into a better situation there. I thought University of Michigan was interesting today in the sense that the expectations component was up two points. So I think consumers are maybe starting to see that too. So I want to look outside the S&P 500. Steve mentioned small caps, the Russell 2000. If you look at the average mega cap stock, it's 14 or 15% above the 200-day. You go down the cap spectrum, that percentage above the 200-day moving average starts to come down. Small cap flows were liquidated. You're seeing the recover. So that's where I think the opportunity is. Yeah. Where's the opportunity in your view, Pete? Well, you know, Mel, when I look at technology and everybody's focused, obviously, on a day like today, they say, wow, Microsoft pulled back, Apple pulled back. I actually look at a lot of these names and I think they're in this pause phase that they've hit many, many times in the past. And I think that's going to be the next level when after they get out of this pause to maybe make, make those moves to the next level. I like, take a look at Microsoft trading right around 300 for a couple of weeks now. Like, take a look at Apple. Yes, it spiked above this, but 146 to 148, it's still in that sort of range right now that it doesn't really bother me that it came off of the highs at 157. And then I look at something like NVIDIA that continues to trade right at 220. It seems like it's been stuck there now for a couple of weeks. So I think that there's some bullish signs to me, Mel, when I'm looking at technology that, of course, when you start to see those rates go up, yes, everybody starts to move away from technology because that's been the trend to do. But I tell you what, I look at technology as, all right, the pause is there. 
and then I think the next level is up. I don't see it being a downside push unless we start to see something that comes out, of course, with, with Delta and with, with the COVID-19 and all the, all the rest of that. That always is something that's going to be hanging behind us now. But if that comes up, sure, we can have some sell-off. But I actually don't anticipate that. And I still think that those pauses are very, very healthy. And I think the next move is going to be higher. What's on your watch list, Karen, in terms of things you could possibly buy if we do see some sort of a pullback? Um, well, banks, which I own, it would have to be sort of a meaningful pullback for me to buy um, more banks. I don't really anticipate that happening. There's some retail um, that's sort of, you know, kind of been sideways to down a little bit. That would be maybe interesting to be something like Starbucks, which, you know, not having a great week. If that came in a little bit more, that would be something I would buy. Um, so that's sort of what's loosely on my list right now. Yeah. Loosely on your list, Grasso, is what? <laughs> chemicals. Chemicals, materials. I think that you're going to see industrials rally. There's two reasons why the stock market's been under pressure. It's been COVID and China fears. And both of them are probably overextended. Today we had quad witch. That puts everything into question as far as volumes. But I think you're going to see all those names rally back in short order. All right. Coming up, the five key stocks you need to watch heading into next week to tell you which names our traders are betting on. And later, boom, going bust. Something just happened in housing that hasn't happened in nearly 40 years. What is it? How could it impact the trade? We've got that and much more when Fast Money returns. The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge, and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. 
Welcome back to Fast Money. We are gearing up for a fresh slate of earnings coming our way next week. Housing, retail, transports all on the list. So which names should you bet on? Let's find out in a spirited game of trade it or fade it. Kicking things off, KV Home, which reports earnings on Wednesday. Pete, what do you say? Well, I just love this company, Mel, and it's 10 bucks off of its highs. It's still up 25% on the year. And I think fundamentally, when you look at this company, it still trades at a single-digit P.E. There's a lot of different reasons to like it, but I continue to look at the supply chain. That's improving for sure. Their price for sales, that's something that's gotten better and better, and we just heard from Diana Olick. So for those reasons, I think this is a name that actually can come out and crush it, especially when you look at the backlog. Yeah. Grasso, you're not, sure, you're not so sure. <laughs> no, I'm going to say fade this one. And you, you know how I feel about home builders. Generically, generically, I'm always or pretty much always bullish on them. I'm not bullish on it right now. And it's more of a strategic trade. October is the worst month for KB Homes in particular. And the seasonality trade is huge for home builders. And if you have rates rising, even though they're coming off a very low base, rates rising does have that effect. And it's a negative headwind for KB Homes. And also, if we change tax policy and the corporate tax rate goes up, these are 100% domestic facing. So they have the most to lose or the most, uh, the most to get hit on if any of those changes take place. Lumber coming in was a huge tailwind, but it's not enough to uh, combat seasonality. All right. Next on the list, Nike out with results on Thursday. Jeff, what do you say? It's a little bit of a tough one for me, given some of the things going on with the supply chain, the valuation, but I'm going to bet on Nike because I'm still going to bet on the consumer. I actually saw pretty interesting research today. We always talk about that excess savings number. So they've estimated that 45% of that excess savings has fallen to the, the bottom 60% of earners. So when you talk about that marginal propensity to spend that dollar, I think that's good for a company like Nike, along with the continued healing in the labor market. So when I think about spending growth in 2022 and consumption, I think it could still be pretty strong. I am worried about what's going on with the supply chain in Vietnam, the COVID outbreak that they've had. I think Nike will figure out a way to navigate around it. Given the 10% drawdown, I like it here. I'll trade it. You can bet on the consumer and not bet on Nike. So where do you stand, Karen? Trade it or fade it? <laughs> oh, this is a tough one, as Jeff said. And the first two things he talked about were this Vietnam supply chain issue, which I do think is temporary. But I don't know that it's only one quarter. I think they were talking about it going into uh, next year. Um, and the valuation, it's expensive relative to itself. So trade it or fade it. I would say I'd kind of evade it if that's allowed. Um, it's just, like it's that. over. You know, I know it peaked. People had kind of, they kind of overstayed it, and now it's in, and, uh, but I'm, I'm sitting out this one. I think we have to amend this Ooh. game, trade it, fade it, or evade it. I mean, that's, yeah. that's a good <laughs> one, run it by Guy later on. Great. Let's get to Stitch Fix now. Results come out on Tuesday. So, Steve, what do you say? So, Stitch Fix, there's so much going on here, but it, so when there's so much noise around a stock and you really don't know how to play it, I always go back to technicals, and if you go back to uh, probably uh, right around December, I think that was the move. I'm looking over my shoulder. December was the move where the stock rallied aggressively higher, uh, and, and it was nosebleed territory. It has come all the way back in right now. So I don't. I mean, you could make the case that maybe you're 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 buying it at the ground floor again. There's so many things going on with the stock right now that they think they're going to turn it around. To me, it's a prove yourself. I'd, ra I'd, ra I'd rather watch them prove it and miss the first 20 on the way up, 20% on the way up, than to catch it too quick. All right. Uh, Jeff? 
Yeah, I want to trade this one. And, and Steve mentioned, I mean, it's down huge, right? And it's a little bit more of a typical price to sales ratio, at least based on where the stock typically trades at one and a half times. I do think that $30, it was previous resistance pretty consistently. So I would look to that price level as support. And I do think that they're reaccelerating top line gross, uh, gross margins, still holding pretty steady. I like what they're doing with their data analytics, continuing to push that personal shopping experience. Um, so I'll trade the stock here. All right. Next up, FedEx out with results on Tuesday. Karen, you got to be trading this one, but why are you sticking by it? <laughs> I'm sticking by it because of the valuation, and I think that their strategic position is really important. I think e-commerce is here to stay. That valuation is too low, and the bar is very low now. The stock was 50 points higher. So that, to me, absolutely trade it. Pete, what do you say? You know, the performance has not been great, Mel. It was middle part of, the, of this last, you know, the first half of the year when it got up over 300. It's pulled all the way back to where it started off the year. I still like this company. I think they have a lot of things going in the right direction. Their ground is great. But that's why I actually own UPS instead, because they are the king of ground. This is a company that I think on valuation, it's fair to buy it here. But I'm a little disappointed in their global uh, reach that they've had and some of the issues that they have in terms of global package delivery. All right. Up next, phoning home. We will tell you what just happened in housing that has not happened since E.T. was the number one movie in America. Don't go anywhere. Back right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Something just happened in housing that hasn't happened since E.T. was a box office blockbuster and Olivia Newton-John's physical was topping the charts. Today's consumer sentiment survey showing only 29 percent of Americans think now is a good time to buy a home. That is the lowest since 1982. And get this, back in 1982, the average 30-year fixed mortgage rate was north of 15 percent, 1.5 percent. Today, it is only 2.86 percent. I'll go back to Pete. In Trade It or Fade It, Pete, you said you trade KB home. How are you feeling after this data point? Well, you know, I think there's a lot to be said about that data point, too. I think that, that consumers are pretty smart, and they've seen prices rise a lot faster than they probably expected. So I think there might be a little bit of a pause, Mel, but I think the reality is people are still aggressively um, in the housing market, looking around, and obviously price does matter for a lot of folks out there. So I could see where it might cause a pause, but I actually think it's going to reaccelerate, and I think we'll get some of those numbers tomorrow. They may not think it's a good time to buy a home, Karen. That doesn't necessarily mean they won't, and it certainly doesn't necessarily mean they right. won't buy a new couch or fridge or crockpot. <laughs> That's true. But, okay, also, I couldn't help but think they were wrong, right? That was a fantastic time to buy a home. If, I mean, if you look at what's happened to home prices since 1982, because of what's happened to bond prices, that was a fantastic buy, time to buy a home. So they were wrong. Now, though, with rates here... Hmm, that's a, that's a harder question, but nonetheless, people do want to you know furnish their homes and do home projects, and so I am long Home Depot, I am long Lowe's, I'm long the consumer embedded in that, even yeah. you know one who already bought a home. It's a it's a curious piece of information though, because they was so different then. Right, right, right. Jeff, how are you feeling about the consumer? I mean, you said you wouldn't bet against a consumer. Yeah, and I'm generally positive on housing, so I guess my comments are more do as I say, not as I do, because I sold my house and I'm currently living in a rental. But I, I do think that the housing market is going to continue to be strong 
didn't seem to bother the stocks today, that data point. And if you look at a lot of those stocks, they're 20% off their highs. They're stabilizing around support. I know we're talking about interest rates. So obviously still very low. I don't see mortgage rates getting away from us to the upside. I think general affordability because of rates is still decent. And if you look at the Fed funds rate, it's very inversely correlated to building permits. I don't see the Fed funds rate moving anytime soon. I think that helps the housing market. All right. It is time for the final trade now for this Friday edition of Fast. Let's go around the horn. Steve Grasso. I'm going to go with FedEx. I think it's under pressure. It's out of favor on a chart. It looks like it's been beaten up. They hired 90,000 seasonal workers. Last year, they hired 70,000. They're bullish. I'm bullish. FedEx. All right. Let's go to the market rebel, Pete Najarian. I'll tell you, energy just continues to hit, even on a day like today, Mel. So because of that, I'm going to give you XOM. I think that, that ExxonMobil is going higher. Jeff Mills. I know nobody likes SPACs anymore, but this one's gotten crushed, B-O-D-Y. I think it's an early growth play in digital fitness. It's a good value here. Karen? Yeah, so Steve took FedEx. I agree with every word there, but my final trade is UPS. Like them both. All right, thanks for watching. Don't go anywhere. Options Action's up next. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.